Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our Astros Twins Game 2 postgame show. Joining me is my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and longtime journalist, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, Wofford beat the number two seed North Carolina Tar Heels. We're busting your bracket here. <laughs> you know what, Robert? And I'm not complaining, complaining in the least bit. Uh, there aren't too many times that I want to be proven wrong, but this is one of them. I am more than happy to say I was wrong. The Astros swept the Twins, and I don't even have a broom in my house, so they didn't do it by me. Yeah, but I was wrong too, so don't two wrongs make a right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. In, in this case, it certainly did. I think you had them, what, two out of th- – yeah, we both had them two out of three, I think. So let's uh, look at this one for – a bit here and I guess I'll start off with uh the pitching and boy Steven I mean you couldn't have gotten better pitching over these two games by basically your four starters not really two starters but four starters helped you win this series yeah that's exactly right I mean you you had Grinky he pitched well enough to keep the team in the game yesterday and uh, then of course the dazzling performance by Framber Valdez Then you had Jose Urquidy, who, you know, he didn't look lights out. But again, he pitched well enough to win, kept the team in the game. And uh, then uh, Christian Javier, of course, you had Brooks Raley in between there. But uh, then Christian Javier comes in, and he looked shaky. He was having trouble locating his pitches. But again, got the job done, and the Astros did just enough. And once again, not only did the timely hitting come through, but the defense shines again. Yeah, and we got to talk about the Twins, too, because they, they, they helped out a little bit in this series. And let's go through this game for a sec. In the, the first inning, Urquidy escapes a bases-loaded jam after another bad defensive play by Altuve, which extends the inning. It meant that Urquidy had to throw eight more pitches, which could have hurt you know the ability for him to go deeper into the game. But Altuve, he's got to sharpen up the defense. And, and his throws to first base this year, Stephen, that's been one of the bigger issues. Well, it is. And, you know, kind of like when Polanco had that easy ball hit to him in game one, Altuve had plenty of time to go to first. You know, so it was puzzling to me as to what happened there. He was off balance when he made the throw. But it's not like, you know, a mile straw type of runner running down to first base. So uh, it definitely concerned me once I saw that play. These are difficult throws to make because, you know, with this – new shift it's like playing a different sort of second base but this is something where you should be used to it by now i'm mean, i'm sure these guys practice it right well i'm sure they do certainly but uh, i don't i don't know if it was a case of positioning or just you know being off balance as he was but you know the the vintage altuve makes plays like that it makes him look easy but not in this case and you know i i, I it looked like i guess that Yuli could have made the catch there. I mean, it would have been a little bit of a tougher catch, and you know he's trying to keep his foot on the bag. Yeah, it was a tough catch, but it, it, it's one that Guriel usually makes too. So I guess you know, really, both of them could have could have made the play better. But Altuve's throw clearly was off balance when he threw it. Yeah, and, and I guess I mean I, I don't remember anything. Do you remember anything big in the second or third inning? I'm going to go to the fourth inning if if there's nothing there. Yeah, nothing real significant. I mean, both pitchers kind of settled into that pitcher's duel that that's pretty classic in the postseason. You know, at least for uh, those two innings, and then of course we get to the fourth. Yeah, walks by Brantley and Bregman. Then Tucker, you know, he had a really good series. Uh, fights off a 
two strike pitch RBI single against the shift. And that's what he knew he needed to do early in the season that he just wasn't doing uh, at the beginning of the season. Cause he kept hitting line drives, but they were right at guys right into the shift. Yeah, that is the one thing, Robert, and I know we've talked about this several times. That's the one thing that has turned Kyle Tucker into the hitter that we kept waiting for him to be, is that he goes the opposite way, he singles to left, and it was on a fastball, and it I think it was the only fastball that he saw during that at-bat, and he came through for the Astros for sure in the, on that play. Fifth inning, Dusty takes out Urquidy, which I wasn't big on because I, I just feel like Urquidy is not somebody I worry about losing effectiveness. I also hated him bringing in Rayleigh. And like we talked about, Stephen, I don't like Rayleigh coming in with runners on because he's not a strikeout guy. This was something that we discussed, and guess what? He gave up a run. Yeah, that was the one thing. I, I find it hard to argue with you on that, Robert. I, I kind of thought that maybe he should have gone ahead and left Urquidy in there at least to finish out the inning. And then what you could have done is put Javier in fresh to start the next inning because you certainly didn't want to bring him in the middle of an inning either. So that's what I would have done. Uh, you know, if if manager Stephen Kerr was in there, that's what I would have done. But that's clearly not what Dusty did. It, you know, it's a good thing that it didn't cost them the game, Robert, or you and I would be talking about it a whole lot longer. Yeah, Dusty, I've got my complaints about him. And, you know, the first game he handled the, the pitching staff as he had set it up really well. This game, I thought a little bit less so, especially with that move. But... Um, anyway, Correa did what Correa does with a perfect relay throw home on that double that scored a run, but you know, that double, uh, couldn't get in anybody else because magnificent play by Correa. And then what a job by, uh, Maldonado to make that just diving tag and not only to catch the ball, but to catch it and then have to go dive and get the guy coming home. Yeah, boy, the machete. I'll tell you what. He, he has surprised us offensively during the regular season, but but his defense behind the plate, and in this case, you know, making that catch and then nailing the runner. I mean, the guy just does so many things well in, in both the regular season and in the postseason. Carlos Correa, the bat comes alive. Seventh inning, solo home run, 12 career postseason home runs, and maybe – you know, just you get a little bit here from one guy, get a little bit. I mean, it wasn't a great offensive performance by the Astros, but, you know, the Correa home run was a big one. Yeah, it certainly was. It was an elevated slider. It, it traveled, I think, 430 feet. So Carlos Correa, I mean, he did it with the offense and the defense in this game, Robert. He's had a great defensive series, certainly. But, boy, when, when we needed somebody's bat to come through and get that timely hit, with two outs, that's exactly what Correa did. And when Correa hits it, it's gone, as long as it's yeah. got a little bit of air under it. Yeah, at 430 feet, as I said, I think is what I, it was projected to be. I mean, it was it was a no-doubter for sure. And you know that up until that point, Robert, when, when the Astros got their third run, uh, up until that third run, every run that has been scored in this series by both teams came with two outs. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, we talk about that in baseball all the time, how important it is to – have those two out rallies. And then the eighth inning, the twins, they helped the Astros out a little bit. Buxton, who wasn't healthy enough to start, according to their own manager, because he couldn't hit, it sounded like. But he did pinch run, but then he gets picked off first base. And I believe, and maybe you can correct me, Robert, if you know about this, I think that was the first batter that Astros pitchers had picked off the entire season. I cannot think of one instance where they had a pickoff play. Boy, it couldn't have come at a better time, though, than right now. 
Yeah, you might be right about that. So we go to the ninth inning. Uh, Kyle Tucker, again, an RBI single. He comes through. Uh, who did he do it against? A lefty. Time yeah. to throw out this idea he can't hit lefties because he said lefties better in his entire career than he's hit righties. OPS uh, is the big mark, and he's higher. He's four points higher. Not a lot, but it's higher, and it's not like it's he's a guy that struggles against lefties. He's just basically uh, the same right now. Well, this has definitely been a learning year for Kyle Tucker, and he's learned well, and the infield was playing in on that particular at-bat, and he just he got it through the right side, and Brantley scores, and that turned out to be the difference in the game for you. So Yuli and Correa, you know, they get a runner on third base. To They get a chance to add to the runs with less than two outs. They both didn't get their job done. I was immediately scared that they'd, they'd come back to bite the Astros, but... You know, so we go to the ninth inning and he brings in Ryan Presley. And what did you think about Presley coming in in the ninth inning? Were you OK with that? Well, I mean, I was OK with it from a theory standpoint, Robert. But I'll be honest with you. I, I just I am not or have not been confident with Ryan Presley as the closer all season long. To quote the late Milo Hamilton, Ryan, Ryan Presley makes coffee nervous. Well, he definitely makes me nervous when he comes in in the ninth inning. So, I, I, I mean, I would have understood the call. Because you got to put your closer in there at some point. But hey, Presley came through one, two, three inning. Wow. So I, I guess I didn't have a right to be nervous in this case. I would say on my nervous scale, it was a little bit less nervous than Ken Giles and maybe a hair more nervous than Osuna. But Osuna never gave me a whole lot of confidence either last year. Yeah, well, then that's pretty high on the scale then if you're talking nervous because <laughs> he just he's, he has not looked completely effective. But when you needed him to come through and hold down that two-run lead, you know, didn't even get a runner on base. So it was good to see Presley, you know, get that final three outs and preserve the sweep. All right. I want to go to another dusty decision that, frankly, didn't end up mattering. But moving forward, if this is what's going to happen, it, it does matter because you've got a two-run lead going into the ninth inning. So you know, a single or a walk and a two-run home run, it's a tie ga game. And and so it doesn't feel like, uh oh, this is, uh, we're, we're protecting against this huge lead. Uh, you might need everybody all in. Um, and so defensive replacements right there. Well, if you've got a great defensive replacement, I'm fine with that, Stephen. But Dusty right. brings in Miles Straw to play center field, yep. moves Springer over to right field to start the ninth. Is that really an upgrade defensively? Uh, what do you think? Uh, no, because maybe somebody forgot to tell Dusty that Jake Marisnik no longer plays for the Astros. He plays for the Mets. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Miles Straw is not a defensive center fielder. Now, if you had, say, put him into pinch run maybe late in the game, that's one thing. But to put him in center and, and move Springer to right, and uh, I believe uh, Josh Reddick was out of the game at that point, so... I don't know if he did it just for taking Reddick out, but just it, clearly, that, yeah, that it's a good thing that didn't come back to bite them because Straw doesn't I, – I don't have complete confidence with him in center field either. Well, the big thing is you're basically saying Miles Straw is better in center field than it's a downgrade from having – you know, like you're basically saying Josh Reddick is somehow a problem in right field or Springer is a problem in center field. But Springer's got a better arm than Miles Straw. Yeah, Springer's got a better arm, and so does Reddick. And it's not like Springer is slow in center field. 
No, that's 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 where really what had me shaking my head is that you're replacing George Springer in center. I mean, you couldn't put Straw in right. I certainly think he's probably even less effective in right field. But yeah, to replace your star, uh, starting center fielder that late in the game with a guy that I don't even know if you could say he's average defensively, maybe at best, uh, did have me scratching my head a bit. All right, here's a tough question for you because I don't even know if I know the answer to this one. Who who was your MVP for this Astros series? Yeah, that is a tough question. I, I just have to say, Framber Valdez. I, I mean, I just the the way he pitched yesterday. It I mean, it definitely propelled them and put them in a position to win the series. Uh, you know, because the hitting, while they did get the timely hits when they needed them, it's not like anybody wowed you. But now I've I've just got to say, Framber Valdez is my MVP. If they were to give one, they don't give one for these series. But he would be mine. The hitters, uh, it's not a question. Uh, Carlos Correa, he hit 500 for the series with 1,000 OPS. Uh, Kyle Tucker is right there with him. So those are the two guys that would be in consideration. I mean, yeah. Fromber level of play, yeah, he was the best best one, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, Correa and Tucker, they both came through offensively. So if you're, if you're having to – if you're forcing me to make – I don't know if you're forcing me to make an MVP just with a hitter. I would go with Correa by a very, very narrow margin. So here's what lies ahead for the Astros. Their next game is at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> but it's not against the Dodgers, thankfully. I- I'm guessing they'll be greeted at LAX with a hero's welcome in Los Angeles. They love us out there. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, in fact, I bet the whole Dodger team will be there. Joe Kelly will probably be leading the procession, right? Oh, my goodness. It's it, it's. So ironic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, twisted irony, but irony nonetheless. And, uh, of course, if the Astros do, or if they are fortunate enough to get to the World Series, and if the Dodgers are, they won't be playing in Dodger Stadium. But it, it is definitely ironic that they're going to Dodger Stadium to face either the A's or the White Sox, depending on who, who wins that series. And before I talk a little bit about the upcoming series in the next round, um, I, I want to backtrack because the umpiring crew, and we haven't had a chance to talk about them in this game, but the, over the course of the two games, no bueno. I mean, it looked like they had no idea what the strike zone was. They did not see that Springer was out by like 14 feet at first base on that uh, play at, <laughs> that he was trying to beat out. And it, I just thought, well, is Angel Hernandez and Joe West disguising themselves in this series? Are they they have mask on or for something for this umpire crew? <laughs> yeah, well, I think the the one that had the most heat given to him was Manny Gonzalez behind the plate. I mean, both teams were giving it to him, and of course, Eddie Rosario gets himself ejected, and, and you know, then yeah, the first base umpire clearly blew both of those calls. You know, it's a good thing for the Twins that they had instant replay, or the Astros would have had a couple of extra base runners beating out infield hits. And Springer had me a little bit worried when he was, you know, taking uh, a little umbrage with one of the calls that he got on that strike. Yeah, he was chirping. And it was terrible. Call was terrible. Yeah. And also, you got to watch his mouth and what he said. And he just said, no way. You know, he didn't say the magic word, Stephen. And that might have been the difference between him and Rosario. It could, very well could have been. And, of course, the Astros' dugout was giving it to him. And uh, uh, Gonzalez, I think, at one point turned and yelled at them that that was enough. So, you know, there was there was chirping in both dugouts and uh, both sides at the plate today. Uh, you know, thankfully, it really wasn't the outcome of the game because you never want the umpires to be the story of the game, at, at least when it comes to the outcome. Yeah, it felt like they were the story, though. 
And to some degree, sure, but that's not why the Twins lost the series and the Astros won it, though, ultimately. Yeah, I I do want to point out also that uh, from the national broadcast, Tim Kirkjian, towards the end of the game, said, you never underestimate the heart of a champion. Hmm. Well, he may not be a big Astros fan, but uh, he's quoting another Houston icon. It seems like uh, Rudy T. Shirt made himself famous, you know, with... John F. Kennedy and Franklin Delano Roosevelt with just one line of a speech. How many people have, have grabbed onto that, right? Well, it's funny because Kirchin goes, oh, this is kind of, it's kind of a cliched line. But was it a cliched line before Rudy said it? Not before Rudy said it, but, you know, that was, what, 28-something years ago? So, yeah. I, did, I guess now it is a cliched line because it has been used quite a bit. Yeah, 25 <laughs> years ago uh, this year, actually, yeah. is the anniversary. Yeah. Um, this summer was the anniversary, in fact. But here we're going to a best of five series in the next round, Stephen. White Sox or A's, uh, at this point, it looks like they could have a tied series. It's early, uh, not quite over with in game two for those two teams. But big, big point of reference here. There's there's no off day in the second round. So we're actually going to have to use those middle relievers that basically didn't get to see a whole lot of action outside of Brooks Raley. Yeah, this series was easy because you knew that, you know, it was going to be no more than three games in three days. And it, it made it a little bit easier with your pitching. But now that you get in the best of five, and then when you get in the best of seven, it's going to get much tougher. You can't, you're not going to have that liberty unless your starters just wow you and are able to, you know, pull a Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander and go seven, eight innings. That's, that's probably not going to happen, at least from the Astros side of things. So that is going to be something to watch. And that, I don't know, Robert, I'm sure it makes you as nervous as it makes me, just from the fact of, of how Dusty handles the pitching, leaves a lot to be desired and a lot of room for error in making those decisions. So do you think that Dusty, and I was kind of pondering this, this is a totally different series to manage. Do you think he has as short a hook? You know, because now you're not going to Christian Javier or Framber Valdez, potentially. You, you, I don't think you can. I think you got to, you know, you're going to have to save those guys and you're going to have to use all of them for, you know, five game series. So do you think he leaves guys in a little bit longer, a Granky or a, you know, or Keedy or whoever it might be? Well, the only, the only time that you can make a short hook like that is in a series of a best of three or if it's like a game seven type of situation. I mean, that's how a lot of the managers are managing these three game series is that every game is kind of like a game seven. Well, you're not going to have as many of those in a best of five series, like what the Astros are going to have. So I think clearly you, you have to have a little more patience with your starters. Yeah, it's a risk, but you've got to save those arms for when you really need them. And so that's, I think that's clearly what Dusty is going to be faced with. A couple of uh, interesting statistics uh, on this uh, past series, though. This is the first time since August 19th and 20th that the Astros won consecutive road games. Yeah, I mean, they were pitiful. I think they were 9-23 and 23 on the road coming into this series during the regular season, and the Twins were 24-7. and seven. I mean, they were had the best home record in the regular season in the major leagues. So clearly, you know, it's one of those things you can throw the stats out the window and, you know, fortunately for the Astros, history didn't beat them. They were able to come through. But it's, you know, whether it's the A's or the White Sox, it's definitely going to get a bit tougher as we go into the next series. Who is less excited about the postseason at this point, Stephen? Uh, the Rockets with James Harden, the, the fans fans of the Rockets with James Harden, 
or Minnesota Twins fans? <laughs> oh, I think it's Minnesota in a landslide. I'd, I'd like to hear some of their talk radio right now. I mean, here's a team that has set records for consecutive postgame losses in sports, not in baseball, but in all the four major professional sports. They've now lost 18 straight. And here's something, Robert, that I find really interesting is that coming in to this game with the Astros and Twins, the Twins have been outscored in those 17 straight losses, 104 to 47. It wasn't even close. I mean, this game was close, but coming into the game, the Twins weren't even close in run differential. So that's a pretty telling stat right there. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, well, they, they they were getting bashed on by the Yankees a few of those times, right? Is is that who they well, played? The, yeah, like thirteen of those losses, uh, I think, have been to the Yankees. Yeah, that's an amazing. I mean, the whole stat, the, the just them losing that many games in a row in the playoffs is. I mean, it's like I think Kirchin said on the broadcast, it's by far and away the longest streak like that. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, that's amazing enough in itself. But when you look at the run differential, like I did today, I mean, you know, now I guess what is it, one hundred seven to 45 and 18 games. I mean, that is clearly out of the league as far as, I mean, it's no wonder they've lost 18 straight now. According to uh, Dusty Baker on returning to Dodger Stadium, he said, that's cool with me. I've had some great moments and memories from, Do-. you know, he, he loves Dodger Stadium. It's been good to him. <laughs> well, he should. He played there, but he clearly wasn't with the Astros in 2017 when <laughs> when they had to go win it in the World Series. And he wasn't with them, you know, when the cheating scandal was found out. So, you know, I guess it's fortunate the Astros, I don't think they're going to have any fans at Dodger Stadium. So that that's probably another good thing for him there. Yeah, he said he's going to save a bunch of money on tickets. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> Let me ask you this. White Sox or Athletics? Who do you want if you're an Astro fan? Uh, I think I'm going with the White Sox. I mean, the Astros clearly had trouble with the A's this year. So, you know, if you're going at least on... Current history, yeah, maybe you want to go with the White Sox. Maybe uh, I know there's no real revenge factor here, but hey, get them back for the 05 World Series. That wouldn't be bad, would it? Sure. I mean, uh, maybe let's get some more runs that we got in the 05 World. But you know what? I don't know. I mean, when when are they going to start scoring some runs? When, when is this team going to wake up? You know, well, that's slapped clearly, across the face. Yeah, that is clearly what's going to have to happen, Robert. I mean, you just can't keep going. The Astros still, to me, do not look like a World Series type of team. You know, going deeper and deeper into the postseason, you've got to put up more runs than they have. They've got to get more timely hitting. You know, the the pitching, while it's been shaky in spots, it's gotten the job done. But, you know, as you get further in and you have to get to the point where you face a team like the Yankees, uh, it's going to be much tougher You've got to start scoring more runs and doing them in a, in a timely fashion. Small ball is great, and it, it's definitely going to help you in the postseason. But, yeah, the Astros absolutely have to score more runs in the series against either the White Sox or the A's. And I believe you brought up a stat with the White Sox. Was it you that said that uh, they have a particular record against lefties, lefty pitchers that's really interesting? Yeah, it is interesting. It's going to make some interesting there if uh, the Astros do face the White Sox. They are undefeated against left-handed starting pitching this season. They were 14-0 and in the regular season, and then in Game 1, Oakland, I guess, figured they could defy the odds. They started a left-hander in uh, Jesus Lazaro, and uh, he lost. So the White Sox are 15-0, and perfect record against left-handers. But you know what? If you're 
if you're Dusty, I mean, you've got to start Fromber, don't you? I mean, he's your best pitcher by far. So you've got to start him at some point. I don't know if you start him in game one, but you've got to start him, obviously, because he's your best pitcher. Fromber ain't scared. Come on. <laughs> no, Fromber's not scared. Fromber's not scared. And I don't think the Astros would be scared either to start him in that game. Yeah, he just looks really relaxed out there. And just, you know, I was watching Javier. He's sweating a little bit, and it it was not particularly warm in Minnesota. It was low 60s, I think, when the when they were planted in this game, right? Yeah, I was in the upper 50s to near 60. And, uh, yeah, he clearly was shaky. I mean, again, you know, coming out of the bullpen, even though he was starting an inning, clearly wasn't his routine. Uh, but he was able to, to hold it together. And, you know, for a young guy, that's what you hope for. Even if they do get in some trouble, just just keep the team in the game, hold steady, take a deep breath, and get the job done. And that's what Javier did. So, yeah, I mean, if uh, you're Christian Javier, you got your cobwebs out in this game. Uh, you got the maybe the nervousness of pitching in your first postseason game. So hopefully, you know, going forward, that's going to help him. Uh, what Fromber did is going to help his confidence. The starting pitching is not my concern at all. It is like the lowest on the list, Stephen. I mean, it's everything else that I'm worried about with this team right now. Well, and I'd have to agree with you. And who would have thought that when, you know, you have your ace, Justin Verlander, gone, you know, and you don't even have experienced guys like Brad Peacock in there who, you know, while he's been up and down, he's he certainly had the playoff experience, but you can't count on him. But, yeah, the starting pitching isn't the issue. It's the bullpen. It is the, definitely the shaky spot. And, you know, the two guys that saved you, being Christian Javier and Framber Valdez, they're normally your starting pitchers, but they came out of the bullpen. So the rest of the bullpen, and, you know, Ryan Presley pitched great today, as I said, but the rest of the bullpen has got to come through. You know, Brooks Raley gave up that run. I mean, at least he didn't give up any more. But uh, that is what we're going to have to watch with the Astros, is whether the bullpen can hold up over a five-game series and if they should happen to advance over a seven-game series. Final couple of Houston sports notes that it, I feel like are sort of relevant. Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that the Astros are, uh, or Houston starting to receive permission to interview assistants for the vacant head coaching job. Wes Unseld with Denver, Wes Unseld Jr., who one of my good friends is friends with Wes Unseld. So, you know, maybe we can get an exclusive or something. Hey, maybe you can talk to him, Robert. Um, and of course, yeah, the Rockets still looking for a coach. I know Doc Rivers has, you know, been recently out there and I guess they've shown some interest, but I, I don't, I don't know that I see that happening. It's probably going to be one of these assistants like a Wes Unseld, Wes Unseld um, some of these other guys, you know, the more I think about it, Robert, the more I really like your pick, Sam Cassell. Uh, I don't know that he's in the top consideration though, at this point. Haven't heard anything, but it's it's early in the game, and they also or Woj also mentioned Stephen Silas, the assistant from Dallas, and and he was in the conversation before. They've been keeping an eye on Silas, and and they like him. And you know, I I, I don't know about you, I, I like uh, not a fan necessarily personality wise because he doesn't have much of a personality, Rick Carlisle. But you know, he's a good coach. I mean, I think he's a really good coach. Yeah, he certainly is. And I just think the Rockets really need to head in a younger direction. With, a, with an assistant, you know, somebody that may, maybe they can relate to James Harden a little bit better. I don't know. Um, clearly, they, they need to put the Rockets over the hump, no matter who it is, even if it is an older, experienced coach like a, a Doc Rivers. But, of course, he's had the same criticism. He can't get a team past a Game 7. So, yeah, I have a feeling that's that's definitely where they're leaning to. 
The other thing that's going on, Texans, uh, Earl Thomas. We almost had a Earl Thomas come into to the Texans, but it, it sounds like the whole COVID scare with the Titans and the Vikings, and they felt like they didn't want to bring in guys, you know, didn't want to have an open workout. Uh, but I mean, it's Earl Thomas. I mean, are they just giving him a physical? Can you just give Earl Thomas? A, that is kind of weird. I mean, I feel like if you were that interested in Earl Thomas, you would just give him a physical. And if he's good, you sign him. You don't have to bring in 20 guys. You can just give Earl Thomas a physical. And I don't know what, you know, it happened to the Vikings and the Titans. I don't, I don't know what that has anything to do with Earl Thomas or your medical staff. I mean, I just, it seemed like a fairly weak excuse if that was indeed you know, the, the Texans, well, it was the Texans excuse. Cause was their official statement on the matter? Yeah, it's certainly a weak excuse. Although that, that noise you heard when they announced that Thomas would not, they, they would not be signing Thomas. That was me breathing a sigh of relief. Cause I'm just not sure. Yeah. The Texans need a fire lit under him, but I'm not sure if it's Earl Thomas. He he's a good player, but he has definitely been a, he's, he's been a cancer in the locker room. He certainly was with the Ravens. There were a group of players. I think that they even went to Harbaugh and said, we got to get rid of this guy. He's, He's definitely not we, – we don't want him on the team anymore. So I'm just not sure the Texans need a player like that despite his ability. So the Texans, what's going to happen this week? The Vikings, um, I don't know if they're cleared yet They're to play because they're, they're trying to test everybody since uh, some Titans – There's, I think up, they're up to four Titans tested four positive. Four or five. Yeah, I think there were five. And, and yeah, at the time of this recording, it's certainly still up in the air – uh, I do believe that the Titans Steelers game is going to be moved to Tuesday, which is the first time I think in 10 years that that's happened. But as far as the Texans and the Vikings, yeah, I think they're still waiting to see the test results of whether that game can be played on time. Right now, the Titans game looks to be played either Monday or Tuesday because they're as they wait for the test results. If that game gets pushed back to Tuesday, Stephen, that's a big deal because the Texans get the Titans on an extremely short week. Well, that's absolutely right. And, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, a group of like one team can cause havoc. It's like a domino effect. I mean, it happened in Major League Baseball. We saw it with uh, the Cardinals and a couple other teams, the Marlins. And so, you know, here you go in the NFL and you only get to play once a week in the NFL. So, yeah, if it's a Tuesday game then the Titans are going to have very, very short rest going into the following week against the Texans. All right, well, let's uh, finish things off. And any final thoughts, Astros sweeping the Twins? Well, just relief. I mean, they got past the first round. They got past the wild card round. I mean, there's an extra round now going you know, with the playoffs. So at least you can't say, well, the Astros got knocked out in the first round, even with a sub-500 record. So they get to play another series. So I guess I'm as relieved as I am excited to see what happens next. Hey, with those two wins, they're 500 now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Or, the, or you know, they're 2-0 and in the postseason, so we, they're undefeated. You can look at it that way. Hey, uh, we're going to come at you again in just a couple of days. I mean, just three days away, I guess, four days away from the Texans game, if there is a Texans we game. We hope. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, just around the corner. Uh, as always, We'd love your feedback. Give us some feedback. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. That's info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Look in the show description. It's there every single week. Stay healthy and safe, everybody, and go Strohs. Go Strohs.
You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.